welcome to Shalom Letters Podcast with the Brian Newman, author, lyricist, scholar, and veteran. I'm Melissa Collins, ministry partner and friend of Brian's. Also the voice of Mrs. Esther Ava Hill on the Torah Town cartoon series found on YouTube. So welcome to our third episode now of Shalom Letters. We are a podcast where listeners can write into our show and we share commentary and even dream interpretation all from a biblical perspective. So as always in today's episode, I'll be interviewing Bron and then we just let the spirit lead. So let's get started. Hey there, Bron. Hey, Melissa. Hey, how's it going? It's been an interesting night. As you know, <laughs> there's some technology. We had the app shut down. My <laughs> phone wouldn't connect. And then my computer wouldn't connect. <laughs> All at once. We tried to record our last episode. But where there's always will, he makes a way. <laughs> yes. So here we are. So on last week's episode, one of the things we touched on, um, we talked about different types of dreams. I know you mentioned uh, there are prophetic dreams, warning dreams is what we discussed last week, mm -hmm. soul dreams. And then there was another unique type of dream that I really wanted to talk about tonight. Um but do you guys to kind of give us a little recap on the different types of dreams people can have? So John Paul Jackson kind of, he's a Christian minister. He kind of spearheaded dream interpretation in the church in the uh, 80s, 90s. And he had a book that talked about 20 types of dreams. So there's invention dreams and warning dreams and word of knowledge dreams and soul dreams. And there's enemy dreams and there's false dreams. And there's all these types of dreams. Uh, but the, basically it comes down to the dreams have three sources. There's a dream from you, like your own body or your own soul is kind of making its own dream. Just kind of like a, kind of like when you're driving and you see the little signal lights come on and you're your dashboard, something's wrong, you're out of oil, you're overheating, etc. Your soul is letting, your body's letting your soul know, or your soul is letting your soul know that something's wrong. Something's out of whack. Something's addressing. So that's a soul dream. When you generate your own dream, it's also called an intrinsic dream. You have generated this dream yourself. Wow. And then there's external dreams or extrinsic dreams where it comes from somewhere else. It can come from God. It can come from the enemy. Sometimes it can come from you fell asleep with the TV on. Uh, but it comes from something outside of yourself. And a lot of people dismiss every single dream. As a pizza dream, even I hear preachers doing the radio all the time. Every single dream you have is pretty much just you ate bad pizza. They call it a pizza dream. Like you have an upset stomach and then you dream these crazy things. And they their way of dismissing every dream ever because after the enlightenment, everything was about knowledge and being rational and logical. And if it's not rational or logical, it can't be from God. It was kind of the theory the Protestant church has now. But unfortunately for them, the entire Bible is full of things that make no sense at all. Oh, nay, nay. God is full of spirit-led things that are just hard for our little human minds to comprehend sometimes. Exactly. And then we just dismiss it using psychology. Mm. Which has its uses, but we take it too far. It's a diagnostic tool. It's not a cure. And sometimes we just deduce everything down to your brain doing something that dismisses the spiritual, which is like in the church is a practical atheism. 
Well, Jesus came 2,000 years ago, and nothing spiritual is going to happen until he returns. And in the middle, he's just kind of absentee. Like he took a plane, took it a vacation or something. But I believe that God's constantly still active and still talking. Uh, King David said in Psalm 16, even the night my heart instructs me. He's King Psalm 16, King David's talking about dreams. He's getting instructions while he sleeps. That's why I named the ministry Psalm 16. And in the Muslim world, they're having dreams about Jesus all the time. They say Isa, but in Iran and Saudi Arabia and Pakistan and even in North Korea and China, all these places you can't have a Bible. Children are having dreams about Jesus coming to them. And these grown-ups in the Middle East are having dreams about a guy in a white robe who they know to be Jesus because they know all about Jesus. They just don't think he's divine. They think he's a prophet, a teacher, etc. But they don't recognize him as a Messiah. But they do have a, a lot of respect for Jesus. So Jesus is appearing to them in dreams left and right, saying, actually, I'm a lot more than you think I am. Wow. And even the churches that don't believe anything spiritual can't really deny that. They just say, oh, well, over there in that part of the world, they don't have a Bible. So God has to do that. But here we have a Bible. And the Bible is wonderful and it's great, but it doesn't tell you every decision for everything every day. It doesn't tell you don't go to work today because people that worked at 9-11, some of them seem to have premonitions or dreams about not going to work that day. And then the building blew up. You don't find in the, in the 66 books of the Bible, if your name is John Thomas or you know Richard Smith or something, Richard Smith, don't go to work on September 11, 2000. That's not in the Bible somewhere. You, the Spirit would have to tell you that. It's like the Bible's a map and the GPS is a, is a the Spirit's a GPS, and they don't contradict each other. But this, when you when you pass the turn or when you turn around, or there's a road hazard. The GPS will tell you that, whereas the map tells you the fixed roads. Well, what is in the Bible, though, is that, like you said, there are all of these different accounts of dreams and dreams mm -hmm. being used by Yahweh, like we mentioned in the last one, for dreams to the enemy, dreams to the recipients themselves, uh, all different types uh, and instances and stories and accounts of these dreams that Yahweh used, those are in the Bible. Mm -hmm. The truth of worshiping him in spirit and in truth. So the, his Torah is his truth, but we still need that still a small voice. We still need that spirit to lead us and, and truly be able to walk out our worship. Exactly. It's like um, you need a gas pedal and you also need a steering wheel. Mm. Or you're not going oh. very far without a car or otherwise. Oh my gosh. I need to write that down as well. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you just have the best analogies. I Thank love you. this. <laughs> Thank you. Because it's like, well, the spirit can be both the brake and the gas pedal. It's like slow down, speed up. But mm -hmm. the, the but the uh, the Torah, the book of truth, is the one that keeps you from going off the rails. You know, the ditch on the right, the ditch on the left, the Torah keeps you on the road. But if you don't have the spirit to empower it, you're going to either go nowhere or you're going to go way too fast or you're going to go way too slow. You're going to not care enough or you're going to be overly zealous. So wow. Together. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. So uh, one of the things I know that we had talked about last week, too, was that um, a lot of times if a dream is just like really, really sticking with you mm -hmm. and it's you just can't let it go, you can't forget it, you can't let it go, then then there may be something more to that dream. Is, is that right? 
Right. Like a spirit dream sticks with you. It doesn't just attach to your mind or your emotions or even your will or just, you know, your body. It attaches to your spirit. It's firmly embedded in there. And it's like an itch or it's like a hunger. It doesn't go away until it's satisfied. Like you don't quit being hungry normally. You might, you might dull it some, but hunger usually gets worse and worse as time progresses. And the dream is like that. It, it needs an answer. You need to feed it an answer, a spiritual answer. Because a, a dream book from Barnes and Noble is probably not going to satisfy it. Mm-hmm. You need a spiritual answer to a spiritual problem. Otherwise, your spirit's just going to start growling. Like your stomach starts growling, your spirit's going to start growling to be fed a, fed an interpretation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And then those other dreams, like you call them, or they're commonly called pizza dreams, mm-hmm. um, would be like I had a brownie the other night at like 2 a.m. I went back to bed and honestly hadn't thought about it again until this moment, but I dreamt that all the Kardashians went to jail. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't remember why. You don't remember it. It had no bearing on you. It didn't seem to. It was just like, oh, I totally forgot about that. You know, with the spirit dream, you generally don't don't forget. But I think you're you're hoping all those calories would be contained. Maybe. Please don't let this make my butt look big. Please don't let this make my butt look big. Exactly. Please don't let it. Don't, please don't let these make my butt look big. These calories will be contained. It. They'll be arrested. Arrested calories. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Okay, we better reel this one back in. (laughs) But it was showing a problem in your soul, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Oh my gosh. So um, give us a few instances. I know you are uh, very well versed in the Bible. Give us some instances. Well, one just pops to mind. Uh, immediately, I know um, a few weeks ago, we had kind of tossed around the idea of talking about uh, even Mary. You know, can you mm-hmm. give us some instances of some dreams and just to encourage the listeners, you know, that these dreams can absolutely be from Yahweh and they can be impactful. Mm-hmm. Do you mean like impactful? So you may give examples of impactful dreams, like spirit dreams? Yeah, yeah, like they could be like a prophetic dream, they could be a warning dream, like, can you give some, like, concrete examples from the Bible where this has happened before? So, like, in the New Testament, there's Pilate's wife, Mm -hmm. taking a nap, as Roman custom was, to take a nap in the day. Uh, She had a a dream about Jesus, and she told her husband, like, don't mess with this man, this will be bad for us, don't do it, and sure enough, he did it, but he, he was a very, he was a complete sociopath. He killed a lot of people before and after that. Uh, so this was not a thing for him. Um, but Pilate's wife had a dream and she was a you know, total pagan Roman. And then you have, after the resurrection, the Apostle Paul uh, was given a dream. He was a, he entirely planned out his missionary journey. This guy, this guy, this guy, we're going here. We did the fundraiser. We told everybody where the money's going. They're expecting us on the other other country he's going to. And all of a sudden, he's asleep. He's going to leave the next morning. A man from Macedonia appears in the dream and says, hey, come to us. So Paul wakes up the next morning, just cancels the entire trip to the other country. Says, oh, we're going to Macedonia instead. Why? Because I had a dream. I mean, this is this is the this isn't Old Testament. It's it's the New Testament after the resurrection. 
the Apostle Paul or the Gentile churches. Mm. So he's making halakha for the Gentile churches, which means he's, he's teaching the Gentile churches how they should have church, how they should operate, how they should function. And Paul always says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So Paul had a dream and it totally rerouted his entire thing. Instead of going to Honduras, we're going to, we're going to France. I mean, this is the opposite direction. The next morning, this is a turn on the dime. And of course, you don't do that with every single dream. But Paul had a lot of spiritual experiences. He spent three and a half years in a cave uh, learning about Jesus and the Torah and everything from a believing perspective. Then he went to the 12 apostles and met with them and got their approval. And Paul had been through a lot. Most of us haven't went through. So Paul had a lot enough spiritual discernment to know that was really a God dream. I wouldn't suggest anybody do that kind of thing. But it just shows how seriously at that stage of his life when he'd been, you know, he'd become a believer. He went through all Acts 15 council. He went through all that and he knew it was a God dream. So he totally rerouted his entire mission trip, all the money involved, all the churches involved, all the people involved to go to Macedonia instead because he had a dream. So they, they took it really seriously uh, in the new Testament as well. Mm -hmm. And that's the book of Acts. I forget which chapter, but in the book of Acts, he, t he talks about his dream. Right, right. And then there, there are even Old Testament accounts, you know, mm -hmm. Nebuchadnezzar comes to mind. And Nebuchadnezzar, Pharaoh, uh, Jeremiah talked about dreams a lot, the book of Jeremiah. He talks about mm -hmm. what we might call soul dreams or pizza dreams. But uh, he talked about dreams a lot. And a lot of things in scriptures, there's different Hebrew words for vision, dream, et cetera, et cetera. But they seem to be having... Lots of them, dreams and visions. Of course, they just had the Torah then, but they were having uh, numerous supernatural experiences while they slept. Um, and then you, you had mentioned the book of Acts. Isn't that also an Acts where it even tells that in the last days when his mm -hmm. spirit is poured out, that what is it? Young men see vision and old men will dream dreams. Yes, and uh, the prophet, he's referencing the prophet Joel, that's an axe, and he's referencing back the prophet Joel in the last days, which you look at the entirety of human history, this is the latter, latter third of human history. That there's 6,000 years appointed for mankind, we're in the last 2,000 of it. So we've been in the last days for a long time now. Mm -hmm. This is a, the old men would, you know, old men would dream dreams and young men would have visions. And there's two ways of taking that. One is that young men are literally young men. And old men are literally old men. But there's also the concept of people new in the faith would have visions. Because it's very plain. A vision is a literal thing, usually. It's mm -hmm. exactly what it says it is. You see this? This is what's happening. And you're wide awake. A dream is more symbolic. It's like a parable. So it requires maybe a little more of a spiritual maturity to hash it out. So the old men could be the ones who are older in the faith. Not necessarily older chronologically, but older in the faith. And it says it's going to pour out all flesh. It's not just the Christians, not just the Jews, not just the Muslims. The whole world is going to have dreams in the last days. And as we get close to the end, more and more people are going to have more dreams, like Jesus appearing to people in the Muslim world. And then the Asian world, because there's a bamboo curtain, which is like North Korea, China. There's an iron curtain, uh, with a Soviet, Soviet bloc, where they wouldn't allow Bibles. And then there was also, of course, just the Middle East. So all these places that can have Bibles, 
these people are having dreams. They're not saved, though. These aren't saved people. It says all flesh. Mm, good point. So when the, it's called, it's not we call prophetic evangelism or dream evangelism. When non-believers have dreams, what are we going to tell these people? Go see a psychologist. Get some Freudian psychoanalysis on your dreams so you can become a even more confused heathen. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. If the church doesn't learn what to do with it, the church is going to miss a lot of opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Just um, as you were talking there, I was still kind of scouring my brain, trying to think of different uh, dreams that were mentioned throughout scripture. Uh, I thought of Joseph. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I mean, how many different dreams did he have from his childhood, you know, on up through being in Egypt as well. And then the, his family took that seriously. Yeah, they did. They definitely knew what that meant because they threw him in a pit afterwards. <laughs> sold the man into slavery because of his, his I mean, they were, they already gotten their nerves. Uh, but his dream, because I found out in the book my friend Alan gave me called The Dreamer. It's The Dreamer by Brian and Candace Simmons. They say Jacob was 91 years old when he had Joseph. And the only child he had after that was Benjamin. And this is by his beloved wife, Rachel. So mm-hmm. Rachel was barren until the man was 91 years old. And then she has Benjamin, then she dies. So you can imagine how attached he would be to his children by her. Especially as he worked 14 years for her, then she can't have kids all these decades. So, and Joseph was basically given a coat of many colors with, with long sleeves. If you were given a long sleeve coat, that meant you didn't do manual labor anymore. So Joseph's a teenager. His brothers are like in their 30s, 40s, 50s, out there herding sheep, you know, dirty work. And then Joseph shows up in a coat with long sleeves, showing he's not a manual laborer. It's like they said in the book, it's it's like a carpenter showing up to work in a mink coat. <laughs> All the other carpenters might be a little upset because you're, obviously you're not going to be driving too many nails that day. Right. And it's a coat of many colors, which is very expensive. Purple and blue were insanely expensive colors to make anything out of. It would be the equivalent of us covering something in gold is to make a blue anything or purple anything. And it was a call of the priesthood. Joseph, like, Jacob was assigning Joseph the priesthood of the family, which is perhaps why he was having these dreams. Because he was a priest of the family and he was getting these dreams in order to warn his family, to instruct his family, to lead his family. And he used this dream to kind of prop himself up. It's a good dream in a bad way. He used it in a bad way. So Joseph used his dream to kind of position himself above his brothers. And then obviously really backfired because his dreams are supposed to help him shepherd his brothers later on or help his family. And he was using his dream to kind of be braggadocious about it. But they definitely knew what he meant. What that dr- Instantaneously, everybody got the interpretation. Mm-hmm. Even his mama and his daddy and all 11 of his brothers, they knew what that meant. And later on, we see like the similar thing with Jesus. Like people say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. I'm like, why did they try to kill him? Because if that's not what he meant, it will be a good time to step up and say, no, I was just joking. Or, no, you totally misunderstood me. But he doesn't do that. He just accepts the fact they're going to try to kill him. And uh, that's what they tried to do. Because he obviously intended to say he's, he was divine. And they obviously understood that. And Joseph family obviously understood his dreams so the patriarchs all 12 heads of the tribes of israel took this dream seriously and jacob and uh 
Yeah, Jacob took this dream seriously too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish I had the scriptures pulled up. Uh, I didn't know we were going to cover this, or I would have prepared a little bit better. Uh, but Genesis. we just let the we just let the spirit go here. <laughs> so, um, I completely forgot my point. What I was going to say. Oh yeah, I remember uh, when I was doing this Torah portion study. One of the things that I had learned when I had read this last was one of my notes says something to the effect of, and again, I wish I had the scripture in front of me about how Jacob listen to him like I remember in my notes that it was something to the effect of like it stuck with him like he didn't dismiss it he mm-hmm. didn't tell him it wasn't true yeah like it stuck with him and he he like kept it or pondered on it what I remember being at least my mental takeaway from that Torah portion study and that's like the the prophetic word Mary was given about Jesus when Jesus was a baby uh the prophet temple said you know a sword's gonna pierce your heart one day and it, all these things stuck with her. And when Jesus was preaching the temple when he was 13, um, it stuck with her as well. Like mm-hmm. she treasured those things in her heart. It always stuck with her. She didn't dismiss the prophetic word. And and also Jacob didn't dismiss the dreams. Dr- Jacob had dreams about a spiral staircase going to heaven. Oh, he that's right. Promising that's he would right. get the land. And Abraham had a dream where God's got oven, Dutch ovens floating around. <laughs> You know, walking between dead animals and just all kinds of things. Abraham had dreams. So this is a very well-established thing in mm-hmm. that whole family line. Jacob, so Abraham, probably Isaac, Jacob, and then Joseph. All yeah, had well, and then there was Joseph's uh, interpretation to Pharaoh's dreams with the, uh, the seven hungry cows and then mm-hmm. the seven healthy cows. Yes. And it wasn't just he got lucky. I mean, every he not only could tell what the dream, he could tell what the dream was. Mm-hmm. So it's a level of prophetic on top of skill because there's there's like revelation that are skill. Daniel had both. It says that God gave Daniel both. So Daniel could tell Nebuchadnezzar what the dream was and also what it meant. In skill, you can learn what it means. You can study the language because the Bible is it's a language unto itself. It's a language of parables. And God gives you a dream, then the, uh, the the codex, the lexicon for it, the dictionary for it is the scriptures. So you can tell from that. So you can learn that. But revelation is an entirely different thing. Like there's, you can't teach yourself to know what someone's dream was before they tell you. Right. God has to do that. So it's part of that is um, it takes it out of man's hands. Man mm-hmm. can't get any glory for that because God did it. And also every psychiatrist, psychologist, Magician, sorcerer, illusionist, magi, and priest, the entire and new age guru, tarot card reader. Nobody could do that except Daniel. And nobody could do that except Joseph. I mean, he was the best of the best of the best of every psychic in the, in the entire world. And none of them could pull it off except these Hebrews, which are utterly despised by the people that uh, took them captive. Because they're actually despised as being shepherds, like as being unspiritual people, as being uneducated and unspiritual. So uh-huh. I think God's pouring a lot of these kind of giftings out, various giftings on people that maybe weren't raised in church, maybe didn't go to seminary. It just bypasses the system. Because like Joseph was a shepherd. To be a shepherd was the scum of the earth. I mean, even in the Middle Ages, if you're a shepherd, that meant you left your home to wander around. So anyone leaves town is suspect. Anyone that's awake past sunset is suspect. Anyone that leaves their wife and family to go to something else 
is very suspect in the minds of all ancient farming peoples. So the Egyptians, like if you're a, if you're a shepherd, you're pretty much like a hobo and a thief. And you're probably an arsonist, and you might be running around casting spells on people all night. I mean, it's just this whole thing. And you're also uneducated, and you don't take a bath very often. So this was the lowest of the low. This is like the homeless shelter, is being a shepherd. But these are the people that are doing these things that the most educated people in the world can't do. The most educated astrologers and astronomers and, and psychiatrists, psychologists, and everyone else can't pull off. But these, these people can, these shepherds. Does that, does that make sense? Yes, that makes perfect sense. And how beautiful. But that's just how Yahweh works. That he will he will make sure that you know that it is him and yes. not man. Yes, it's not someone's educated opinion. It's it's not a thesis. It's this is God. Because there's no other way this could this could have been pulled off. Yeah, and you know, we, we have to be aware. I know you had mentioned um mm-hmm you know, the, the false prophets and the magicians and whatnot. And we just, we have to be aware, you know, whether it's a Facebook post or a Google search, you know, or it's, you know, the medium on your street corner. Um, they, they are evil. Mm-hmm. They, that is from the darkness and the Bible warns us about those, right? Right. You know, you can't go to, Someone's going to give you a, a satanic interpretation, basically, because they will tell you a, a will for your life, that there is a supernatural being that wants you to do this, this, and this, that has more knowledge than you do, more awareness than you do, that knows things you don't. And the supernatural being is wanting to guide you. They just don't tell you which one it is. And that's the problem. Mm-hmm. And then uh, some people believe, like John Paul Jackson believed, that if you let someone like that speak over you or prophesy over you, then they can basically assign a spirit to you. They can assign a minion or a, a, a spirit per se to, to follow you, to attach to you, to interfere in your life. Because the spiritual world works by, world works by invitation. Mm-hmm. You have to invite it in. Like every ancient house had something on the doorpost. And on the city gates and the borders of the country, the borders of the country has some kind of statue or something to let you know what spiritual being has been invited to protect that country and to lead that country and guide that country and direct that country. You get to the city gates, same thing, statues all over it. You get to someone's house, they put something on their doorpost to let you know which spiritual being was over that house. And they usually wore some kind of thread somewhere or something. They wore something to let you know individually what God they worshiped. And when you go for to a psychic, for example, for a consult, you're inviting whatever that person has made allegiances with. You're inviting that, that person to speak into your life, and that person is speaking on behalf of spiritual beings. You're inviting those spiritual beings to speak into your life. So it's not just bad advice. It's you're inviting these other things to be the, the whisper in your ear. God can be the whisper in your ear, or these other spiritual beings can be the whisper in your ear. It can be your GPS. So if you, want, you don't want someone out to destroy you since the beginning of creation, to be your GPS, they will guide you right off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I, had, I pulled up some scripture here in Jeremiah 23, 32. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, indeed, I am against those who prophesy false dreams, declares the Lord. They tell them and they lead my people astray with their reckless lies. 
yet I did not send or appoint them. They do not benefit these people in the least, declares the Lord. So, I mean, we see that these people are out there. They are real. Mm-hmm. They do have, like you said, a power of imitation, but it is of the evil one. It's not of Yahweh. So um, the, you know, the magicians at Pharaoh whose staffs turns into serpents, you know, that that was the first thing that, that came to mind. That was real. That happened. So this supernatural evil things are definitely real. You know, a lot of people just brush it off. Oh, that's in movies. That's not real. It is is real and the bible warns us against these things so we need to take that into account there's no verse that says well after the bible is written satan's going to take a 2000 year nap and it also is no verse says that jesus is going to take a 2000 year nap either and the holy spirit's going to take a 2000 year nap which is kind of how we look at it but some of the churches believe very much so that satan's operating supernaturally for 2000 years last 2000 years but but jesus hasn't been doing that just just satan so Jesus is sitting it out, and Satan's running around doing things. Um, and it's it's kind of scary to think about there are supernatural influences that are real. So a lot of people also just shut it off, though. It's like, no, 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 the devil wouldn't give you a dream, or the devil wouldn't give you dream interpretation, or you know, psychics don't tap into anything. They just they're just making it up as they go. They're mentalists, which are people that could kind of read you and falsely prophesy over you based upon what you wanted to hear. So it's very real. Uh, and sometimes there's actual prophets. People have actual prophetic gifting that tap into the wrong source. Because prophecy isn't, prophetic gifting isn't uh, necessarily what we think it is. It's like you, you or I might have an antenna. We have an antenna. We get two or three channels on, on a good day. But someone with a prophetic gifting, everyone has a gift access to the spiritual world in a sense. But someone with prophetic gifting, they have a full satellite dish they can get a very clear signal from a long way off from a lot of different stations. And it depends on which station they're turning into. Right. Wasn't it, wasn't it, was it Balaam? Was yeah, it Balaam? Um, yeah. He was actually a prophet. I mean, God said the man's a prophet, but he's trying to tap into all this other stuff too. He's, he's, he's got the satellite. He's gets the gifts of God are out repentance. So he had the equipment, but you can tune into the church channel or you can tune into Skinamax. You know, you can, how you use your gifting like i'm a teacher so i mean i could teach you buddhism or i could teach you christianity same giftings there the same ability to retain knowledge and to translate knowledge but it's what i'm teaching you and the prophetic gifting is you have a satellite dish and seven antenna but what station are you tuning into where's where's your signal coming from and some people get different signals they can get a prophetic word from god one day and the next day they'll just tune into something else so you have to test every single dream or word and interpretation still just because one person was a preacher 10 years ago and pro- prophesied correctly, you don't know what they've gotten into in the past decade. Yeah, well, but go to Deuteronomy 13. I mean, it will clearly say, you know, you must not listen. You know, if it, if it doesn't line up with the truth, mm-hmm. then you're not to listen to them because it clearly says that uh, the Lord your God is testing you to find out whether or not you love him with all your heart, and with all your soul. Even if they got it right before. It was like, even if it comes true does not mean necessarily this person's from God. Mm -hmm. Of course, the enemy can make things happen too. Absolutely. He knows you want it and he can make it look like it or he can make it happen. It doesn't mean it's God's will. It just means he manipulated the situation. And on the soul dreams, which is more so in Jeremiah, these people seem to be actual prophets. 
but instead of tuning into God, they're not they don't have an itching ear to hear what God is saying. They have an itching ear to ear to hear what the people are saying. I know there's a lot of Trump prophecies that happen, and I, my theory is an article on it, is this. A lot of these happen this way: is the people wanted something to happen really, really, really bad. So the the preachers and prophets that were really just trying to uh, appease the people, they develop an ear to attune to what the people wanted to hear, what the people wanted, instead of what God wanted, or instead of what was going to happen. Even uh, they gave them a dream. They told them what they wanted to hear. And these the prophets in Jeremiah, they actually did have dreams. And doesn't say they're dreams from the enemy. They weren't dreams from God. These were dreams these prophets conjured up themselves. Dreams they caused themselves to dream. Mm -hmm. Like they wanted something to happen so bad. Or there was such an expectation of the people for them to have a dream with a certain outcome that it affected their dream. They they caused their own selves to have these dreams. And we can do that when our soul gets out of whack, when we want something too bad. Like if you're really greedy, you might dream about winning the lottery every night. And it doesn't mean God's telling you you're going to win the lottery. It just means your greed is out of control. Right. And in this instance, it was a political dream because uh, they're about to go into Babylon for 70 years. The king of Babylon is at the doorstep. I take everybody captive eventually. And they say, oh, no, don't worry about it. God loves our country too much to ever let that happen. We can send all we want to, and we won't be invaded because we're Israelites. We're special. We're too special for that to happen to us. And, and they're having these dreams about it. Like, oh, no, no, we're going to win. We're going to be victorious. This thing we want is going to happen. And Jeremiah's like, no, you messed up. There are consequences. And I don't care what dream you made yourself have. You're going to Babylon. You like it or not. And then Jeremiah 29, 11 says, you know, 70 years later, three generations later, they would return. But it happens politically sometimes uh, with, with both sides of the aisle. And sometimes it happens when we want to marry someone really bad. We'd like somebody. We will have this dream about marrying this person, that person, that person, just because we want it that bad. Right, right. Wow. Yeah. Just so, so much and so many different directions that, and so many different topics that we can cover, mm -hmm. you know, within these dreams. Um, so I know we talked a little bit about the, the pizza dreams. We've talked mm -hmm. a little bit last week, especially about the warning dreams. Um, there are the prophetic dreams as well. I know we talked a little bit about the cows, any other uh, prophetic dreams that you can think of all day? Or it kind of covers the whole Bible almost. If we look at the book of Revelation, that was basically a prophetic dream or a vision that John had. We're not told if he's wide awake or asleep exactly. He was in the spirit in the Lord's day, which is probably the last day of tabernacles. Peace tabernacles, the last great day. Mm -hmm. And all through the Bible, they, they had these prophetic dreams. But the book of Revelation was written about 90 A.D., Long after the resurrection, long after the book of Acts, decades, 60 years of the book of Acts, book of Revelation was written. So this was an ongoing thing. And we talked about pizza dream some, like a soul dream was you really want something to happen. You'll dream that it does happen. You'll make yourself dream. And there's also quite literally a pizza dream where it's more actually called a body dream, where if you are experiencing something in your sleep, it can cause you to have certain dreams. 
of pregnant women have these kind of dreams sometimes because there's so much going on in their body, their hormones. If I've noticed that if I fall asleep with the TV on, I will have a dream about whatever's on TV. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm on the couch and the, uh, if I fall asleep on the couch and the blanket comes off in the winter, I'll dream I'm in the Arctic and I'm freezing to death. <laughs> or you're, you know, you're in Panama cutting your way to the jungle if, uh, if your if your fan goes off or something in the middle of the night, <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean God's telling you you're going to Panama to be missionary. It just means you need to wake up and turn the fan on. <laughs> and similar like pizza dreams, spicy foods, you can have a very traumatic, stressful, crazy dream because your body is in distress while you're sleeping. And it might be your body trying to wake you up, but you can have this traumatic, stressful dream that you don't remember, just weird. Because your body was in distress, you had heartburn, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But those are two of the dreams you don't really recall the next day. Gotcha. That's something that sticks with you. And it's not something you really find in the Bible. It's like an episode of The Simpsons. You just don't know what's going to happen. It's all <laughs> kind of crazy and doesn't feel right. <laughs> so what advice would you give people who are wanting to learn more about their dreams, but they're... They're not really ready to write in a submission yet. Uh, would you suggest like a dream journal or <laughs> what What do you have to say for that? You can get a lot of dream journals. Um, one of the big things about dreaming is if you want to dream, get enough sleep because you have to REM sleep, the deepest sleep, to dream. If you can wake up without your alarm, do it because your alarm will wake you up and make you forget your dream. And any gift uh, comes more when you steward it. So, like, if you wake up in the morning and you write down whatever part of a dream you can remember, that makes it more likely God will give you a dream. Because you're trying to hear in that fashion. You're trying to listen. We, we always talk to people that listen, and we don't talk to people that don't listen. So, mm, wake point. up. It was just a notebook. Just write down the best you remember your dream and wake up. It was just a title. Just give it a title. Write down two of the things you remember. Pray on it. And if you're trying to learn about dreams, like John Paul Jackson did, some other people was with the parables in the Bible, study the parables, because Jesus usually gave the meaning of the parable, like Joseph's dream. Cows represented money back then. Cows are how you made money, and ox is how you made money. So it represented the economy. So look at all the dreams in the Bible, look at all the parables in the Bible, and look at those symbols, and you'll start to understand, oh, this is how that works. Like you have a dream where you're in America and you go to the store and they're out of bread. Well, we know bread usually the word of God, the daily mm-hmm. bread. So, okay, well, there'll be a famine in the land for scripture. No one's going to know the scriptures. It doesn't necessarily predict an actual famine. It's just saying there's going to be a lack of the word of God. So you study all the parables. You study all the dreams of the Bible. You'll start getting more of that. And then also you go to extremesministries.com or streams ministries on YouTube. That was John Paul Jackson's ministry for dream interpretation. Uh, they have a lot of his told teachings on there. And a guy named Johnny Thomas also works with them. He took it over. He does a lot of dream interpretations. They're really short. They're really simple. And they give you the meaning of it. But of course, the big, biggest thing to do is just pray. Cause that's what Daniel did. Daniel didn't understand the dream right away. Uh, Joseph didn't understand it right away necessarily. Or know what the dream was. So they've had to pray. Because you don't want to try to use your brain to figure out a spirit, a spirit thing, a spirit issue. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> very, very good advice there. And just be quiet and wait for it. It's like you it's like you put something under the water and you stand there and watch and you wait for it to pop back up from the top. 
you don't logic it out like a math problem. You uh, you just kind of wait on it mm -hmm. to rise yeah. to the top of the water. Yeah, you you have your first and last takeaways are really super impactful to me. You know, as as you know, I've been, um, I guess you could say, gifted <laughs> with the dreams my whole life. Yeah. Um, not any that would I don't feel like would impact anybody outside of you know just personal messages um, for myself to impact my own life. But, um, and I kind of forget where I was going with that point, but, oh yeah, I know I was going to say now, one of the first things that you, you let off with there when your advice was that we talk to the people who will listen to us mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I pray a lot, but I, I've in my life, I've caught myself a lot in my prayers and it's not that they're, they're, they're not, I wouldn't say that they're really rushed. And, and they're very intentional and I'm, I'm very, I'm very intentional about setting aside my daily prayer time, but I've noticed that a lot of times when I pray it, I do tend to be one-sided. A lot of times I will just talk and talk and talk and talk and maybe not exactly expect him to answer me back. So I have found that when I'm sleeping, that's really the only time that I'm quiet enough for him to talk yeah, back to about me. 20 or 30 hours of your life and they say god god can do a lot of talking in 20 years <laughs> well we have no choice but to listen and we can't argue <laughs> uh, you know what you probably nailed it right there. i can't argue back <laughs> <laughs> <You're assassin. laughs> no sassing no talking back and i'm listening so he has a captive audience with me when i'm sleeping so funny. Uh, and then, too, you mentioned pray about it. So, um, again, what better advice can you give than that? I mean, that's perfect. Um, anything else that I'm missing that I, I feel like I'm missing something that we were going to talk about that I haven't asked you yet? Well, it's not about dreams, too. You just have to. You can't make a decision based on a standalone dream. Like we talked about Paul did that, the Mes uh, Macedonian man. Mm -hmm. that's kind of a rare exception maybe paul had some tugging to macedonia already in the book of acts but uh you just have a you usually have a dream you might have a vision you might have a prophetic word of my as my pastor jonathan brown always talks about like god speaks to the other people in your life usually and it could be someone at church or it's often someone in spiritual authority over you they might give you an idea in your head or they might give you some advice that's a confirmation. So it's not just, I had a dream, I got to do this. But the dream will usually line up with everything else you're being told through the different avenues, through the wise counsel in your life, through people in authority, through people close to you, through visions, through circumstances, through scripture that jumps out. God will usually speak in multiple ways, the same thing. Not just out of the blue, here's this dream. Flip your whole life over for one dream. That is true. He always establishes everything with two to three witnesses. And I believe that will always hold true with our dreams as well as everything in our life. Absolutely. That's a perfect point. It's like two of your witnesses. You wait for the two of your witnesses, not just the, not just the one random thing. Sometimes like Johnny Thomas says, it's, it's out of season. I mean, God's trying to prepare you for something 10 years from now. Doesn't mean you go do it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You know, like he tells you, you're going to be a missionary to China. In a dream, it doesn't mean you go out and start learning how to cook rice right now. <laughs> you know, you that might be ten years from now. You know, don't don't sell your house just yet. Quit your job. 
That's so funny. I don't know. In my case, I may I may need to start now. <laughs> I may need to start learning how to cook that rice now. It's hard to get it the same stickiness the way that they do. I don't know. But I'm a Southern girl. What do I know about Asian food? Uh, other than how to eat it. Make cornbread with it. <laughs> rice bread. Oh, my gosh. It's so I do like some rice pudding, let me tell you. Okay. Well, I guess that's all we have for today's episode. Again, I just want to thank you and thank our audience both for participating in this. We absolutely love it. It is our heart's goal just to spread the word of Yahweh and bring awareness to things that are in the Bible that, you know, you may not hear every weekend from your pulpit. So we just want to offer some biblical commentary, uh, some things through the truth, the lens of the truth of the Torah, and just be able to reflect that light of Yeshua Jesus throughout the world. So we we appreciate you guys listening in and for writing in to uh, have some of your, your dreams and questions and thoughts featured on our podcast that we appreciate our audience so so much um if you do get a moment i do want to ask you to go visit brian's website uh check out shalomtoyourheart.com it is just a gold mine of resources and articles connections it's just a one-stop shop for really anything you're looking for so i just encourage you to go check out his website again it's shalomtoyourheart.com Brian also has a YouTube channel, also named Shalom to Your Heart. Um, as far as Facebook, we just have our personal pages. He's Brian Azriel Newman, and I'm Melissa Collins. Um, if you feel led to support Brian's ministry, he just spends a ton of his time and gives absolutely 100% all that he has to help others and providing them resources and counseling and connections. So if you feel led to support Brian and his ministry, his PayPal is shalomtoyourheart at gmail.com. And again, for your submissions, or if you just have any questions, both Brian and I can be reached at shalomtoyourheart at gmail.com. So as always, Brian, do you care to close this out in prayer? Uh, Yahweh, thank you for our listeners, for our supporters, for our audience. I ask you to give them wisdom and the dreams they have and give them dreams to hear your voice and just lead God and direct them in all they do. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful. Amen. So thanks again, Brian. Thanks again to our audience. We love you all. God bless you all. And we will see you back here on the next episode. Shalom.